Good morning, good morning. It's good to see you. Hey, uh, in a series, uh, Making Change, uh, week three, uh, we've uh, traveled a little bit of a distance. Uh, we came from uh, the first week being less is more, uh, and then last week we talked about stress is bad, uh, and today we're going to talk about giving is good. Uh, so be prepared. Uh, it's, that, it's that sermon. So if you're, if you're ready to run, go ahead. You can run right now. All right. Oh, we've been talking through how this series is going to challenge us in a lot of ways, and because uh, it challenges us to change. And so, any sermon that challenges us to change is a good one. And any word of God, if you read it, uh, it doesn't leave you the same. And so, a lot of what we've been talking about is that changing is actually you letting something come in deep enough to calculate out that maybe it might be worth stepping outside of the comfort that you're in right now. All right, because change is uncomfortable a lot of the time. Because the comfort zone that you've created is a place you don't want to change. <laughs> uh, I don't like change. I don't want to change. I, I like where I'm at. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I understand that tension. I totally get it. And today, directly, I'm going to talk about changing the amount or changing the way or changing the heart behind giving. And I know immediately when I talk about that, there's a large portion of you in here that you have uh, some background uh, in maybe some nasty things that have happened. Uh, maybe you even have uh, some you know, natural beliefs that maybe that's all the church wants. Uh, and so in your mind, I just want you to set all that stuff aside. Let's not come in here with preset ideas. Let's not just dive into this or the whole bunch. I believe this to my core, and that's why I will not apologize. will not apologize to you for preaching this. I would never will, uh, because I do believe whole convictions that my, the way I spend money and the way you spend money is the clearest picture of what is important in your life. I, I just, I, I believe that to the core, and it's as convicting as it is to me as I hope it is to you. That is inescapable. So I'm going to pray before God comes and talks to us. <laughs> And says some things, I hope, that makes us uncomfortable in the best of ways. To not let money get you. To not let money win. To discover there's something more. And that stuff has to change. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, um, go before us. I know this brings up tension, brings up anxiety. It sometimes can bring up even frustrations and heartache and brokenness. And Lord, a lot of that is legitimate. I am not trying to pretend like it's not. And uh, Lord, there's even a temptation in myself sometimes to think that maybe, maybe this isn't what we need to be doing. And Lord, that is just, drive that out of my soul today. Drive that out of my soul. May, may your word go forward. May we hear you and listen so that you, we recognize you're not trying to get anything from us, but you're trying to have and bring and show us that you have so much more for us waiting. Lord, is your name that we pray. Amen. So the verse that I want to kind of jump our discussion off with is, is actually in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. And it's just this simple thing that the writer of Acts is reminding us of Jesus' words. And this, this is a thought that some of you have had on a coffee mug. Okay? You should remember the words of Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, first of all, let, who, who has heard that before? Who has heard that? It's more blessed to, to give than receive. Okay, and who, who in here has just been like, that's a bunch of baloney? No way. All right. I know I don't receive some good stuff. All right. 
Uh, no way, no way. I can't give what I've received. And I, I understand that. And so, first of all, I just want to distill this. This is not saying it's not a blessing to receive. All right, that is not what that says. Because <laughs> uh, it is a blessing to receive. When you receive something good, oh man, it's awesome, right? Right? You, you get that check and uh, somebody paid for it, right? At the, at the meal, at the, at the restaurant, someone took care of it, and you're like, booyah. Right? We're going to Andy's now. Wasn't sure. Now we're doing it. Right? Uh, you, you get some, like, I, I got this, I got money back from my car insurance this month. What? What they called and they said, we paid too much and here's a little back. And it was a good chunk. And I was like, booyah. Like, you know, like nobody's going, no, it's all right. You know, like it's good. It really is. And, and for most of us, we have some uh, stories and some things that we would collect and say, man, it is amazing when I have received some. But I'll tell you, there is something to this verse when you dig a little deeper. Man, when, you, when, you've, when you've gotten to bless somebody with something, when you've gotten to give a gift, that would go beyond the means of the person that you're giving it to? When, when you've given a gift that there is no explanation for the amount of generosity that it reveals, and when you get to give a gift and there is no strings attached, and it's a blessing that you're like, what? Why? No way. And you get to give that to somebody. In my mind, I have a few things that I have received. But there are some of the bigger memories in my heart and in my mind are the things that I've had the opportunity to just give. And I'm not talking of numerical. I'm just talking about opportunities that came about and I had something that someone else needed. And it sticks in my heart in a deeper way. There was something about it that was just like, wow, that, why did that feel so good? Why, why did that feel so right? When it did nothing for me. And the culture that we're in, and the time period that we're in, and even in our own thoughts, let's just go there. It is tempting to, to just hear this and not really believe it, if I can be honest. Just, just not really believe it. So two quick thoughts for why I think this is true. I just want to use two quick verses and then I want to get into ways we can get better at giving because I think that's important to the nines of how we're going to change is to actually take some steps towards this. But the first verse I want to bring up to you is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. This is Paul and he says this and he's talking about the church encouraging him. But I want you to read this and listen to what he's talking about what happens when gifts are received. Uh, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Through us, your generosity will what? Will result in thanksgiving to God. Even in an atheist, I mean, if I could be honest, I don't know where you're at in here, but there's just something that happens when the stars align and when that all comes down and then in that moment, your Starbucks order is paid for, all right, ahead of you. And you're like, that was nice. And there's just something in that moment that it presses into something deep inside of us, I think. That it, it makes us go, hmm, man, that was nice. They don't even know my story. They don't even know my name. But this is changing my life. This is changing my... This is intersecting my needs 
someone else cared about that? Maybe. Maybe there's more. Maybe there's someone else who really cares. There's something that draws this out. Can you feel that tension in your heart? I can feel it in my own heart. When all of a sudden, some need is met, some gift is given, and I look at it and I go, whoa. And I'm not taking away the credit of the person who has to give, but there's just something in that moment that just makes me go, okay, that was so unexpected. None of my merit, none of my character, none of the things that I had built it up, I had no influence on that choice for this person to be generous, and yet I've received it. You feel the gospel at the center of that? I do. Isn't that the very measure of grace? We talked about it today. I loved it in our starting point class. He said it's unmerited, unmerited. It's something that is given that you did not deserve. And there's something that points to God in that. There's something that points to the gospel in that. There's something that points to the very character. Giving is good. It's good. There's a second thought. This is the one that just always is like, yes, this is it. And this is a proverb. And it's in the message, which the message is always a fun way to read because it's like a devotional Bible, just the version that this is in. It's just common language. And this is fun. This is uh, Proverbs 11, 24 through 25. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And when I read that, I immediately want to go to sweet. So if I need more money, it's like a genie. I just give it, and then it grows. That is so far from what the the author of Proverbs is trying to say. This author is just basically saying this. Are you operating under the idea of scarcity or abundance? Are you operating under the the operating system of uh, scarcity or abundance? Are, Are you operating on the idea that when you give, you get to watch God show up again? And it gets bigger. When you operate under this idea that when you don't give, or when you have to hold back, that there's only so much, that there's only so much stuff, and then you have to hold it and make sure everything's okay, then you operate and your world gets what? Smaller and smaller and smaller. And this, this concept, you guys, if, you, if we could just get this into our hearts, this would change the way that we give because it's a heart thing. This is basically telling you when you give, you have, an, you have an opportunity in that moment to let God reveal himself in a larger way. I'm not talking about you financially being blessed. I'm talking about his provision and care. I'm talking about his actual presence to, to, to feel the peace that goes surpasses understanding, to have patience that doesn't come from your circumstances, to go beyond and actually recognize this. God is not in your stuff. In fact, he wants to rescue you from his stuff. Matthew 20, 6, 24 says, you can't serve two masters. You only serve either one or the other. You only serve God or the devil. No, God or money. And in that moment, you recognize God's not trying to get anything from you. He's God. He wants something for you. He wants your world to get bigger than your money. It's what he wants. 
He wants you to recognize money is just a tool to see the bigger picture. To recognize there's something going on with what you've been given that could have you limit your world to just that. But there's something larger present in that opportunity. Three quick reasons why sometimes people have a hard time to give. This isn't in your outline. If you want to write them down, you can. I like these. The first is you just, you can't give because you just don't have it. <laughs> I said that last week. Uh, if you don't have a coat, it's hard to give. If you don't have an extra coat, it's hard to give your coat to someone else, right? Because uh, you don't have something to give. Uh, and though your heart may break and though you may see the need, you know, we'd all just like to solve some of the problems. Sometimes you just don't have it. I get that. I get that. I really do. Uh, the second idea is that you've been burned, all right? Uh, something has happened. You have watched something. You vantage of that. I had this happen with my, my dad gave a car to one of my friends, and then he immediately sold it and bought a Mazda Miata. And I remember he drove the Mazda Miata up to my house, and I remember my dad was like, what? And he was like, oh, yeah, I just traded that old thing in so I could get this thing. I'm only paying so much so a month. And I remember my dad was like, I put thousands of dollars in that thing. And I got it running. And maybe you've been burned like that. Maybe you've experienced that. And you're like, nope, I just don't trust nobody, let alone the church. I just don't. I get that. I get that. And the third one is absolutely what I just talked about. You grew up in a house that only had so much stuff, and then there was things that happened in the course of your lifetime that made you doubt, man, if I didn't hold on to everything I had, my life would have fallen apart. Scarcity mindset. You didn't grow up with a whole lot, and so you feel this responsibility to just cling to everything you're given so that you can take care of and make sure you have enough. You're operating from a time that, that, that there was a time you felt like you didn't have it. So you have to cling to it while you do. And I'll tell you, all three of these reasons, these are real things. I, I, I know there's, I have been in all three of these camps. But we need to get better at this. This is something that there is a world that Jesus is trying to open us up to. We're trying, he's trying to impact our life in a way to recognize that you are intentionally put right where you're at and your resources are one of your tools. You really are. And so to, to actually step outside and say, I'll do all this, but I won't touch that. <laughs> what does that say about surrender? What does that say about trust? What does it say about you believing he is your rock? your refuge. It really becomes more of a faith issue than a money issue. So, not knowing where you're at, you could have walked in here today and you're like, wow, first sermon out the gate, great. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, you could have been here uh, your whole life. You could have been here and you're like, yep, heard this a billion times. And uh, it's the same every time. Uh, wherever you're at, uh, as we dive into these last three things about how we could improve, I just want you to know this truth moving forward. Our elders and our leadership here believe in this concept so much 
that I want you to know this from the outset before I tell you how to get better at giving. That we don't want you to give assent to Kingsway until you believe that our hearts are not in it for the money. We would rather you give somewhere else until you are 100% convinced that what's going on here is the mission of Christ and that your gift is going to the kingdom of God and that it is absolutely moving forward. As your faith grows, we are moving that money in a place that is absolutely growing the kingdom. We want that to be true. And so don't hear me. Don't hear me as selling some knives up here, (laughs) all right? Or selling some sort of a product. It's not what I'm talking about. And our leadership doesn't want you to be so distracted by that that you miss. On that note, we can all get better at this, myself included. So here's what we're going to start with. You ready? Three ways to grow generosity. Three ways. The first is this. Trust God first. <laughs> Trust God first. Leviticus has some key things that when the Israel is being formed and the law is being molded together, and whenever you talk about Leviticus, it's always dangerous because there's some stuff in Leviticus that, like, we can't have hair past a certain length, you're out. Uh, we can't wear earrings, all right, yeah, you're gone. Um, we can't do certain things. I uh, can't eat certain things. We're all screwed. Um, you know, so, you know, we have to be careful with Leviticus. But there is one thing that transfers from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant that Jesus absolutely maintains, and that is this, that Jesus is first, And God is first, and there is no one that goes before him, including George Washington on your $1 bills, Abraham Lincoln on your, you know, there is nothing that comes before him, nothing. And so, though I I, I don't feel I can specifically point to the tithe that is pointed out in Leviticus and say, this is what you need to do, 10%, because I would actually say the tithe is shortcoming to what Jesus says, because Jesus doesn't say a tenth anymore, he says everything. So anybody wants to argue that we're not supposed to give 10% anymore, I'm like, yeah, you're right. We're supposed to give 100%. And everybody's like, okay, I was just kidding. Back to 10. Back to 10. <laughs> Back to 10. <All> right. <laughs> so this is what Leviticus says. Just to point out, this is one of the things, I think it's good language for us to hear the heart of God as he's talking to his people about this idea. So one-tenth of your produce should come from the land, whether grain from the fields or fruits from the, field, uh, from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It must be set apart to him as holy. It is an offering of faith and trust. It's what it is. It's a spiritual thing, not a money thing. That is something that absolutely transfers. It totally transfers. Malachi, the last book that we have in our Old Testament before the New Testament, uh, he says this, and this is one of those verses we love to quote, right? Love to quote this. This is what, this is what uh, Malachi, that's what I always say. Uh, it's uh, Malachi. Malachi says this, uh, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me. That's so cool. He's like, test me in this. Let me show up. Test me in this. See if I don't pour out. See if I don't pour out the riches. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. And I'll tell you right now, if you've given a big gift, it's not your wallet that grows, it's your heart. It cannot be contained. It cannot hold it all in. It cannot fully understand what you have done. And I've I've experienced that. Have you not? So we just like to pretend like it's going to be some sort of physical thing like we always do. Maybe there's a different thing going on. Maybe there's a kingdom we don't see. 
So here's what I'm asking you to do, and this is the same thing I've preached for years. If you've been here, this is what we want you to do. Pick a percentage. Pick a percentage wherever you're at to give to God first. And then people go, well, before taxes or after taxes. I go, you can explain that to Jesus later, whichever you choose. All right? Just pick a percentage. All right? Look, start with one. If you've never given, start with 1%. And here's the beauty of this. Sometimes your check will be a little less and it'll hurt to write that thing. And sometimes your check will little be a little bit more and it'll hurt to write that thing, right? But if you pick a percentage, it becomes an opportunity for faith. That 10% was, was, was never changing in its absolute adoration and faith for God, but the number always was because that's not what God's concerned about. He's fighting for your heart. So pick a percentage and give it to God. Give it to his church. Give it to the movement that's on mission for his kingdom. And do it. <laughs> Try it. I always love the stories that come back, and I don't like to pretend like this is always what happens because I think numerically is like the, one of the easiest ways to see, but it's not always the most common answer and thing that comes out of tithing for the first time. And I remember hearing and talking to an individual about tithing and, and picking a percentage and figuring out how to get, put God first, and I said, hey, you, know, you need to do this. And so this individual <laughs> wrote their first tithe check for a whole month, and they handed it in, and they knew they were going to be short when they did it. They had bills coming up, and they calculated it out. There was over, just over $1,000 they were going to be short for that month. And I remember hearing this story going, holy cow, when's the last time I had this much faith? <laughs> and he said, a former employer had gotten audited, unbeknownst to him. Three days after he wrote his check, a check, look at me, for the exact amount, the exact amount, to the dollar, just came in the mail from his former employer. And I remember hearing that story and going, what? I mean, that's not really what I thought was going to happen, but wow, that's incredible. What if, what if you had faith like that? And for a lot of us, look, it's hard to find an opportunity to do that. It really is hard to find an opportunity sometimes to trust that much. But what if you took advantage every month of just placing some trust, placing some faith in a physical way, and then being ready, creating some fertile ground? I wonder what that would look like as God began to grow your heart and trust and faith. I wonder if you did it not with I get, but I get to give. Hmm. We can get better, myself included. And I'll just say this as a thing. Like, if you've been given faithfully at 10% or you've been given faithfully at a percentage, don't think that you're done. Just don't, don't think that you're done. I don't think you've arrived at the finish line. Like, be faithful to what God is calling you to. Pray over that. Ask hard questions. And then trust him again.
Let's do that together. Second way, if we're going to put God first, always first, always first. The second is this, we're going to plan your generosity. Man, this is one of my, this is one of my favorite things that, I, man, I've experienced this. This is so fun when it happens, and I love when I hear people do this. Some people are so much more organized, so much more intentional. I love hearing stories, like a couple basically would say this. Now, you would plan for a vacation, right? Or you would plan to buy something, all right? If you had a plan to buy a house, you wouldn't just walk up to your realtor and go, you know, last night I was thinking we should buy a house. You know, he's like, well, all right, do you have any money saved? Like, if you looked at the houses, you know, no, 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 I was just thinking. But yet, sometimes that's what we expect our gifts to be like. It's just like in the moment, we're like supposed to have some like rocket ship, you know, down from heaven, and it's supposed to open up, and there's supposed to be like a verbal voice of like, you, you know, like, but that's just not how it works unless we're planned out. A simple way to let this illustrate is that I heard about a couple. Uh, and I actually heard this from a different preacher. I was talking about a couple that gave $20 as in a budget line to just give away. And they would both carry $10 or $20 around with them, and they would just listen and wait. And the first time it was at the grocery store, they couldn't, this woman in front of them couldn't pay for her groceries, and she didn't have enough. And they were like, <laughs> I got it right here. Boom, boom, keep the rest. Walk away. Next time, it was, it was something that happened at, a, at their church. It was a, I think it was a catastrophic hurricane or a flood that was close by, and there was something else affected, and they were taking donations, and they thought immediately, we have, we have this little piece that goes. And faithfully, they did that. They did that for years. What if we were a church? that we just plan that into what we do. Wherever you're at, you just plan it into your budget. You plan it into your months, your weeks, that you have a little set aside, and when a need comes up, it's no longer a, oh, I don't know, we gotta measure it, but you just have this thing to swell up in you, and you go, what if? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. And we have just a little to give, and we planned for it. Here's the fun thing about doing this, and I even hesitate telling this story. I'll just say this. Like, I've, I've, watched, I've watched people plan to give and then have it be something that becomes a chore. <laughs> and I just want you to know that I think planning to give is one of the most incredible disciplines of instituting generosity into your life. Because I'll tell you this right now, my heart is compelled multiple times a day on social media. My heart is compelled a hundred times a week with the needs around me, and I never act on them, or at least I don't very often. And I feel what that does to my heart. It callouses me to the needs of people around me. It callouses me to the things that maybe I'm the person that needs to do it, that needs to have it. And I always use the excuse, I don't have it. What if that's removed? And I do. Maybe that starts to scrape away. Maybe that starts to remove. And it starts to open my eyes and my ears to hear what God has planned. You ever saved up for something and then at the end of it got to buy it? Isn't that like the best experience ever? Like You saved up, you spent years, and then you just 
boom. You get to go and you get to give it. Heard about a story of someone who saved their entire Christmas uh, money. They actually wrote to their relatives and they said, hey, bring me all the money you would have given me and just, just give it to me. And then this person saved actually some of their own money leading up to it and ended up having this chunk of money. And they went into a restaurant and they just bought a regular meal and they had this chunk of money in their hands underneath the table. And they were with a friend and they had a plan to be generous. And the waitress just looked stressed. She looked like she was on edge. They actually struck up a conversation with her. She said uh, she'd been working a double shift for weeks trying to save up to get Christmas gifts for her kids. She was worried she wasn't quite have enough, but she was trying her hardest. And in the midst of that conversation, all the plans that they had made, all the things that they had decided weeks before to do became apparent that God had a plan all along. And what would have been a, oh, I wish I could have give, became a large sum of money that was just left as a tip. And the two didn't even stay. They just wrote a note and they walked away. And I'll tell you, some of you do not believe that it is greater to give than to receive. It's a lie. And in those moments, I think you and I could rediscover that if we plan to do it and then we watch God use it, I think it grows and it reveals how our storage rooms would overfill, how we would move towards bigger things. The last that I'll just tell you to do we're going to grow in generosity is start being generous now. Just start. Be generous in the opportunities that you have with the people around you. Be generous with the things that you have been given right now. Do not operate from the scarcity, but operate in the abundance of your heavenly Father who is rich in mercy, rich in grace, rich in love, which means beyond what you need. And we live that out daily with what we've been given. We will start right now. <laughs> That's how you get better. If anybody has looked at starting a diet, starting a different trend of weight loss, starting a different uh, avenue for your marriage, starting a different avenue in the way that you talk to yourself in the mirrors, talking negative thoughts, you know how it starts? You know how you hike Everest? It is one step at a time. It's one daily choice. It's one prodding and nudge, and we start. We give in to faith. We give in to abundance and love, and we just start. This is what Romans says about this. So cool. I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you have understand and experience all the things we have in Christ. Giving is good and it only flows from a place when we recognize what we've received. We recognize what we have fully received in Christ 
it should flow out of us and it shouldn't have an end date and it shouldn't have some distant plan. It should have a daily choice at the center of it. As we follow Christ, receive what he's given and in turn, we are a blessing to others. Less is more. Stress is bad. And giving is 